Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And welcome to 100% Hits Volume Pod, the podcast that looks the greatest compilation series this country's ever produced. My name is Josh Earl, and please, welcome back. This might be third time, holds the record mm-hmm. for most appearances. Can you please oh welcome... Oh my gosh! Fan favourite, host favourite, your favourite, it's Alexi Toliopoulos, yay! Wow, I did not know that an honour would be bestowed upon <laughs> me today. I came in thinking this would be a wonderful way to spend an afternoon, and here I am, entranced by the power of love from you and your audience. I feel cherished, I feel delighted, and heck, I actually feel quite good. You are my Jane Gazzo to my Dylan Lewis. <laughs> okay, that sounds awesome <laughs> I, As I started saying that, I went, oh that's right, he's 15 years younger than me That's fine Hey, we're doing volume 25, Alexi Volume 25, you're wow. on volume 2 or 1? I think 1 Very early, I think it was one of the first two, two or three episodes It might have been volume 1 Yeah, volume 1, now we're up to 1998 This is where we are Wow let me tell you, this is my, a wonderful journey for me. In the first episode I recorded with you, I was but a twinkle in my father's eye, listening to the tracks as he would be wandering around the streets of Sydney, thinking about one day fucking my mother and impregnating her with me. And now here I am, a fully formed boy, listening to some of the songs I've heard before and songs that meant something to me in my youth. Excellent. So I, at this stage, was uh, 16 turning 17. And so these... Probably still thinking about fucking my mother because, you know, that's what young teenage boys often do. Oh, Ms. Toliopoulos, if only. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great if I'm your stepdad. <laughs> no, but these songs... Now, I, very much in this point of my life... And making big decisions about the types of music I like and the types of music Oof. I despise for no other reason. Oh my gosh! Than it's popular, Alexi. That's the only reason I'm like, oh yuck. So some of these songs wow. I am coming around to. I am now saying, you know what, 16, 17, 18 year old Josh was a bit of an idiot, and and wow, who would have thought? I know. And I deprive <laughs> I deprive myself self of such privileges as listening to some really really good pop songs. So this will this will make wow. amends. So we're going to start. Wow, that's so interesting. Because Josh, I will admit to you, I don't think I've ever gone through metamorphosis in my life. I think <laughs> I've had pretty much the same taste my whole life. So only minor delineations in my taste. I've been roughly the same person. You know, I'm probably a little bit wiser, a little bit smarter. Yeah, look after myself more. But um, you know, I'm pretty much the same bloke my whole life. Do you have any guilty pleasures, or it's just all pleasures? Nothing that you're ashamed of liking. Um. I mean, I asked this of someone who did an, 
a Mike Myers podcast and mm. loves everything <laughs> Mike Myers has done. So I'm going to say, no, you're not ashamed of any of your, your loves. No, no, you've got to be proud of what you like because it's yeah. who you are. And especially, you know, I'm somewhat of a person whose taste is quite public. Yep. Um, and I want it to be accurate representation of my taste so people can trust me that I'm telling the truth. All right. Well, let's kick this off. It's side A, volume 25. We kick it off with an absolute banger. This is the Girls of Spice. Mm-hmm. They've been listening to some Motown records. And this is the second single from Spice World. This is Stop. It's a good start. It's a good way to start an album. Mm. Josh, this is probably like top 10 favorite songs of all time for me, this song. I love that it's like a relay race. Yeah. They just interchange between them. No harmonies, almost no <laughs> harmonies. <laughs> just pass the mic along the line. And it's so funny because they were all getting on really well at this time. And it's almost like they were like, no, we're not talking, so get everyone in their own booth. Here we go. There we go. That is The Girls of Spice. So this was, once again, written by the band, plus Andy Watkins and Paul Wilson. And this song was a political statement. It was the band saying to their record label, you're making us do too much. Whoa. That's crazy to go, you're making us do too much. Let's put an absolutely (laughs) defining song of our career on the line that we're going to have to play countless thousands of dozens of thousands of millions of billions or trillions times. I can't even think about how many times I've listened to this song in my life. It honestly, good Lord, if I have to admit it on the podcast, it's not a guilty pleasure for me, but I'll admit I probably listened to this song at least once a week my whole life. That's amazing. Since it first came out. So is this your... Yeah, so... Clearly your favourite Spice Girl song, or is there another song you listen to even more? Like I said, it's my favourite, one of my top 10 favourite songs, but it's probably not even my favourite Spice Girl song. <laughs> There's a song called Too Much that I really like, that yeah. I listen to probably every day by the Spice Girls. We have you, that been on the show quite recently, right? Yes, I think, I can't remember if it was John Hastings or someone else who had, we had Too Much. It's, it's a very good song, although I think this is a better mm. song. I like Too Much and Say You'll Be There. I really, yep. really like those two songs. And this is probably number three. Um, but I, like, Spice Girls probably one of my first favorite bands when yep. I was a kid. I remember getting this album and I had all the Spice Girls albums because I was just of that age. I was between, like, six and eight when they were, like, humongous. Yep. And I remember just this vivid memory came to me listening to this song of just staring at the case, like <laughs> six or seven years old, just staring at the case, lying down on my bed 
and just really staring at it, looking at each of the women and just noticing that you could see... <laughs> Jesus Christ, why am I saying this? <laughs> you could see, like, Victoria Beckham's, like, underwear see-through for her outfit and just staring at that going like, wow, Ikazawi, this is something really special. You're just looking at going, do the Spice Girls need a Spice Boy? <laughs> <laughs> Even baby a spice about to come in. But I I just love the Spice Girl so much. When we were doing this podcast and I saw that I got a Spice Girl song, I was so excited. And I tried to listen to it as if I'd never heard it before. Like, what is this? Because I it's so beyond any kind of critique for me or so beyond anything. It's just a song that's been part of my whole life. Well, as a song as well, it's really interesting because they were such like they were marketed so heavily that you kind of couldn't escape it. Mm-hmm. So sometimes the marketing like was too much for even the songs. It's kind of like overall the songs where you go, oh, it's just another Spice Girl song, but actually listen to it. You go, oh, this clearly they've been listening to some Motown records. They're like, let's write a Motown, mm-hmm. a Neo Soul kind yeah. of song. And look, if that was the brief, they nailed it. It's great. Crazily to me, this was the first single of theirs that didn't hit the top spot in the UK charts. They're right That's up, fucking insane. They had uh, six consecutive singles, I think, and this was the first one. And the song that kept it off the number one was Run DMC versus Jason Nevins' collab, It's Like That, which we'll talk about Jason Nevins oh, wow. again this episode. Yeah, gosh. Oh, this is so, this is truly like finally my era on this podcast where I just remember watching TV early in the morning, putting on Rage, watching video hits. I was so young yep. that I think I just kind of liked every song. Yeah. Like I just like, well, okay, I have no taste yet. I just love hearing this music. Yeah. And I think Spice Girls, trying to listen to it for almost if it was the first time, like you said, Motown's a big influence because I think that that's music I grew up listening to a lot as well. Like my parents had the big chill soundtrack always like in the car and growing up listening to a lot of Motown. I had never thought of Spice Girls as being Motown influenced until I tried listening to like this. And I think it's probably my favorite or maybe even I'll say the best like blue eyed soul type music that I've ever heard. Mick Jagger, David Bowie, you can suck my asshole with your dancing in the street. This is way better than maybe the worst song of all time. Uh, this did get to number one in one one country only. And listeners, you will not Australia? be surprised. No, listeners will listeners will know what country it is. Of course, Hungary. Hungary, Hungary. It went to number one. Yep. Wow, those hungs know what they're freaking doing with their music. Yep. All right. So this was. The concept was put to the band by Jerry Halliwell. She came up with the first lines, recorded them to a dictaphone, and the next day she played it to Paul Wilson and Andy Watkins. Uh, they were known as Absolute. That was their uh, production company. And then the duo all went off and penned their own like lines. And then um, this is what Jerry Halliwell said in her autobiography. She said, I wanted something with a Motown feel, and Mel C eventually finished off the chorus, and we had the basis of a song called Stop. Later, when we had more time, the other girls came in, and we helped write the verses and bridges. So, like you said, it's like a relay. They all wrote their own little bit. I went, all right, mm. that's the one I'm singing. And so Mel wow. C said Stop is about the group's feelings towards fame and their frustration with their management, who felt they were overworking them. And these uh, culminated in November of 97, when they actually fired their manager, Simon Fuller. Yeah. Wow, Simon Fuller, creator of... Of Idol. Yeah. So we talked about how in the previous episode they were writing this album as they were filming Spice World, the, f- the film, mm-hmm. uh, which was incredible effort to do two things at once. Like during the day, ripping yeah. off a hard day's night, during the night, ripping off the Supremes. Uh, 
can I just say, <laughs> Time has been very kind to the Spice World film. So it was a commercial success. Has cr- it? Critics panned yeah. it. And now everyone's saying it is a cult classic. And there's talk of yeah. a, re- not a remake, but a, a sequel, but it's going to be an animated sequel. Wow, okay. That's interesting to me. I-, I can probably speak a little bit to this. I haven't seen the movie for a long time. Absolutely loved it as a kid. Had on VHS, watched the absolute fuck out of it, went crazy. I cannot overstate how much I genuinely love the Spice Girls my entire life. And I don't think I ever went through a phase of them going like, oh, how embarrassing, the Spice Girls. I never went through that. Yep. And I'll also say... I've never had a relationship to any other boy or girl band. They're the only one that I'm just like, yeah, they're the best. Um, But I can speak to the film a little bit because I think what it would be was at the time, it's just like complete trashy filmmaking, like quite, it's quite camp. And I think at the time in the 90s camp, if you look at it, is not being embraced. Like there's so many movies from that era that have rightfully come on to have like their legacies heralded as like camp classics think about showgirls think about roadhouse a few years before the 90s like those kind of movies are like now canonical cult classic films i think spice war is in the same bracket and i think mainly because people like me that would have loved as a kid are now critics with like established (laughs) backgrounds and stuff that are helping shape what the new canon is and I think that is 100% the case of Spice World sorry to bring absolutely zero humor to a moment of just talking (laughs) lecturing about why I think tastes change and what becomes the canon (laughs) no you see it in in music as well all these kids who grew up Mm. listening to pop music and when like so I was when I first noticed it was when uh, I can't remember the band I think it was uh, who not DZ Death Race, but someone someone did a cover of Shares Believe for Hottest 100 and everyone loved it. Mm. And I remember when that came out, oh, yeah. everyone was like, oh, this song sucks. This is Now, I admit, I'm totally wrong and that's an absolute classic of a song. But when they did that and it got hot, charted really high in the Hottest 100, I was like, oh, the kids who were like five are now making music. Like when I was, when I was a mm. teenager, the, the young kids are now going, oh, these are my influences and this is what I'm listening to uh, still now. Can I just say, oh, the film. Of Spice World. Lots of, lots of cameos. So Meatloaf, their bus driver. Norm from Cheers, he's in it. Uh, yeah. Dominic West, a.k.a. McNulty from The Wire, he's a photographer. One cameo oh, yeah. that didn't make the cut. They filmed a four-minute appearance from Gary Glitter. And just before Ooh. it was released, he was arrested for child pornography offences. And wow. the Spice Girls demanded that it get taken out, even though... They performed the song "I'm the Leader of the Gang." I am. Uh, they put that on the soundtrack. Holy crap! What great timing that they were able to like yank it because yeah. now it actually has aged well because he's quite unforgivable, <laughs> Mister yeah. Gary Glitter. Uh, and if you want to see that, <laughs> if you really want to see that scene, it is leaked online. You can look it up. If I didn't look wow. it up because I don't really care about Gary Glitter's yeah. acting performance. All right, we're gonna we're, <laughs> we're gonna move on. <laughs> I think I think that might be the longest we've ever spoken about a song on this pod. That's great. All right. Wow. This well, is it was worth it. It was one of the greats. This is I mentioned we're gonna talk about Jason Nevins. This is the song. This is his radio remix for another amazing song by Janet Jackson. This is I Get Lonely, the Jason Nevins radio remix, which was on the compilation.
All right. And there we have it. That's that's all we can play. So uh, this is like, in terms of remix, nowhere near mm-hmm. as good as the original. The original is a yes. really, really great song. Obviously, they can't yep. just put like the original on this. They obviously got, all right, we've got a remix. You can put the remix on. You're not having the original. Uh, this is from The Velvet Rope. Once again, song re- written with her songwriting uh, team, Jimmy Jam, Terry Lewis, and her then-husband, Renee Elizondo Jr., he was in there mucking about with it. Uh, so Jason Evans, obviously the flavor of the month because this and mm. it's like that was in quick succession. And he, looking at his like back holiday, he didn't really do much before this. So obviously it's like that was like... Wow, he just broke. ...came out and then everyone was like going, let's do it. So um, the original uh, remix uh, went... Uh, the original song, not this one, uh, went top 10 in the States, broke a record for Janet Jackson as the only female artist to have 18 consecutive top 10 singles. Take that, Madonna. Uh, it was nominated for Best uh, best Female R&B Vocal at the Grammys of uh, 98. Lost to Lauren Hill's Doo-Wop, That Thing, which I would say the right mm. decision. That's an, it's an amazing song. It's, mm. a, it's a really sad song. Uh, and then Jason Evans has made it quite a poppy remix <laughs> yeah and i would say it's one of those remixes where the original song is doing the heavy lifting like yep. all the good parts is just the vocals because they're so strong the original song is so good i yep. love the original song this didn't really do too much for me uh but it's kind of still undeniable just because that song is so strong like so sultry like you said quite sad yeah and i think that's quite a unique mix that Jana is like really freaking good at doing yeah yeah well we talked about last time that in the recording of this she would take time off because she was just suffering depression and just was trying and obviously a lot of pressure on her to work she just signed this huge mm. huge deal and uh highest paid artist in the world and Clearly, the thing was like money does not gonna, is not going to make her happy. She had to uh, try, you know, go within and try and uh, you know help herself. Uh, but uh, Terry Lewis and Jimmy Jam was kept on Terry, yeah, kept on saying, "We just got to get this done, Janet. You just got to get and get out and do it." So I'm going to talk about uh, Jason Evans. So uh, mm-hmm. it's like that went number one in over 30 countries. Then did a bunch of remixes for other artists. So this is so like that went, and then he followed up with a song that only charted in Australia and New Zealand. It was called, all right, actually, I'll, I'll put it to you, Alexi. You've just had a number mm-hmm. one song in 30 countries. You can do whatever you want to do. Would you then say yes to a group called The Crew and remix their song, We Want Some Pussy? Well, I would. <laughs> well, so did Jason Nevins. Jason Nevins did the same thing, yeah. Uh, wow, what the fuck? And that was only in Australia? Only... Only charted in Australia and New Zealand. In Australia, got to fifty-two. New Zealand, forty-seven. Like wow! I wonder if I had the single back in the day. If my parents bought that for me, he then uh, went back to uh, the Run DMC well and did a remix of "It's Tricky." Uh, that yeah. charted as well in Australia. He then did a remix of Cypress Hill's "Insane in the Brain," which got to thirty-five here. Then he kind of fled around, and then his next charting single anywhere in the world. He worked with Danny Minogue on a song called Touch Me Like That, which only charted in the UK at 48. 
do you know what's so crazy? Every now and then you come across this stuff, and this is one I didn't know was like this, where to me, Jason Nevin, I'm like, yeah, I know that name. Like, yeah. I just know it. I know that. I was like, oh, he must be really famous. Another example of someone who's probably only famous in Australia where he's got all these hits. Yeah. To me, at least it's tricky as ubiquitous. Like, I guess, I wonder if that's all around the world, but I'm like, that's the version of that song that I know. Yeah. But then all the other ones, like, yeah, I remember hearing that song. I watched a video clip on Rage. I watched it on freaking video hits. So he should, does he live in Australia now? Is he like no, Arch Barker or something? No, no. He then, in 2012, he's, he revived his career. He had a huge country crossover hit with a duo called Flor- the- Florida Georgia Line. They had a song called Cruise oh, featuring gosh. Nelly. Now, Cruise is the best-selling country digital song of all time in the US. And it's wow. it's the foremost example of a genre called bro country. Do you want to hear it? Bro country. Yeah. Baby, a song you make me want to roll my oh, windows I down. I hate the sound of this shit. Oh, God. So that was Jason Nevins producing oh, that. Oh gosh! But then, no offense to people from the from the rural areas of the world. This is I fucking hate that shit. It's my least favorite sound. Yeah, just like ugh. See, I, I like reject, my body is rejecting it. I like country music, but I don't like that kind of country music. That's that's the worst kind of country music. Okay, uh, there's good country music, oh. and then there's that. Uh, but the the band Florida Georgia Line, which band duo. They were like reading about it. They were like, "Oh yeah, he really changed. He changed that song because he it was his idea to put Nelly on it, and that is mm-hmm. genius." And I'm like, "Is it genius?" Going, "Oh, hey, there's this really big pop star. I I reckon I could get him to do it like a vocal track on your song. Of course, that's going to make the song more popular." But yeah, anyway, wow. Jason. Nevins. I really love Nelly, by the way. I I really love Nelly. There's a YouTube video of him. Um, singing hot in here which is like with a live band in a studio that is one of my most viewed videos on youtube everyone should watch it that oh no i was, I was thinking usher usher who does that uh, thing for the tiny disc all right wow we're gonna move on we're gonna move back to the uk this is a band or a production company called bamboo and their song bamboogie Josh, when I saw the title, this one come up, yep. I was like, this could be good for me. Ben Boogie, funny. <laughs> I like Boogie. <laughs> and then you heard it? And then this song continues on <laughs> as it does, as you're hearing now. And I was like, yeah, maybe if I was like on a treadmill or like, you know, a peloton or yeah. whatever they call that shit. Which I'll tell you, I haven't been on one of those in probably <laughs> 10 years. So it was not my jam. I did go for a hike for this, this song to see if it did something for me. Yep. And when it gets to this, when it got down tonight, yep. um, got close to something. We're going to just listen to the original song. Yeah. There's like kind of, you know, proto-girl talk. Yes. <laughs> see, all right, we'll, we'll pause it there. It doesn't really change. It is that one of those, uh, you know, covers where the original is better. And like you said in the previous mm-hmm. one... Uh, the original's doing all the heavy lifting in this song. Which I, I don't yeah. mind I don't mind the song though. Okay. I don't mind the song. Uh the original song uh by KC and the Sunshine Band, uh that got to uh number one in, in America. This version in the UK got to number two and it lost out to the top spot by only five hundred and seventy five sales. 
to a song <sighs> that we're going to talk about later in the show. Okay, cool. So Interesting. Bamboo is pretty much just one guy called Andrew Livingston. He was one of the producers of Take That's Awful. From Hey Fam? The guy from Hey Fam? <laughs> That's Levens. Uh, <laughs> no, but that he produced Take That's uh, song Relight My Fire, which is fucking awful. This song, mm. it's fine. I was listening to this in the car yeah. as I drove in to do the podcast last night. So if you want to listen to it, I recommend listening to it about 10 o'clock at night, driving down Sydney Road with all the anxiety in the world that hopefully this show is going to be good. I didn't know how many tickets were sold, so it was that thing going in. It could be no one. It could be a lot of people. It, it was all right. I didn't. It took my mind off. Did things. you do a little dance? I made you in the car? Were you doing a little dance? I made a little love, <laughs> and I got down. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That is exciting. <laughs> also, it has uh, one of the classic uh, film clips of the time, which was like, just get some old uh, stock footage. This one's of a cartoon, like old cartoons, and just play that. Don't put any effort into it. Just, oh. Yeah. And which was... I've got to watch this clip. Yeah. Which was uh, a, thing, a thing that happened a lot during the, with uh, dance songs in the day. Obviously, something they would just put on the screens when they would DJ, and then they just went, mm. oh, that, that's, that's the film clip. Anyway... The next song is the song that beat them to number one. This is the thinking person, Spice Girls. This is All Saints and their song, Never Ever. A few questions that I need to know. How you could ever hurt me so. We'll be taking a church right now. I need to know. What I've done wrong. This is a bit of a remix too. This is the radio. Just Amazing Grace. And then you just got, you do Amazing Grace and like, let's just actually put a fucking cool song over the top of that boring shit. It's a, you could probably you, this song is so long. You can play like seven minutes of this with your Apple license. Well, this is the radio edit, which cuts a seven-minute song down to three minutes fifty-four. But still, at wow, a minute-long, a minute-long talking introduction. It's pretty unreal. Here we go. Gotta get to the chorus. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> We're doing the relays at the moment. Yeah. Before we can get to the chorus. The longest I've ever played a song on the show, by the way. Two minutes 11. Yeah. Apra, don't come for me. It's so long. 
No, but just say we'll, yeah. we weren't playing the radio version. Yeah. We're playing. The, <laughs> if anyone's asking, we were playing the full seven minute version. Can I say, as I was listening to this last night, this really, I really got into this song last night. I loved it. This wow. was very calming, a very calming song in the car last night. Wow. Uh, I can imagine you finding God driving around Sydney Road hearing this come on. Your anxiety has melted away. You've boogied your little ass off. And now you're like, finally, I have found something. I will not care what the ticket sales are. I will find Jeebus up on that stage. Praise be to Shaznay Lewis. Okay, so this was... <laughs> I thought it was their debut single because this was the first time I heard of them. But it wasn't. It was mm. their second single. But it was okay. their biggest hit. Okay, huge hit. It mm. was... Uh, the third highest-selling single of, from an all-girl group of all time in the UK, only behind Wanna wow. Be by the Spice Girls and Shout Out to My Ex by Little Mix. They're the only two songs that wow. top it. Okay, so the band is Shaznay Lewis, Mel Blatt, and the Appleton sisters Natalie and Nicole, okay? And let's just say things didn't start out great for this band. So Shaznay Lewis had written this song and the other girls re-recorded it without her vocals on it and then pitched it to the head of London Records. London Records, the head of London Records, loved this song and said, who wrote it? And they went, oh, our ex-member Shaznay Lewis. And he said, well, get her back in the group and I'll re-sign you. So they had to go back Mm. to her and say, hey, we did this thing, but if you come back in the group and put your vocals on it, we're going to get signed. Which wouldn't be a great feeling. Hmm. No, but you know, I, the dollar talks. I would do it. I'd come back if I felt betrayed by everyone. I'm like, well, what else am I going to do? They were flown to America to re-record it, and they they couldn't work out the spoken word intro, and they decided that the demo version was the better version. So they just kept the spoken word intro. Okay. Wow. Okay. In in the production studio, there was a guy called Robert Jazeri, who is credited as production and songwriting. And he sued the band because he said he should be the principal songwriter because he said, I changed so much of the song, I should be the actual principal songwriter. Mm. He won, he took him to court, he won 40% of the songwriting royalties. Still not satisfied with that. He filed another lawsuit and the label settled it out of court. They said, all right, we'll do this. Whoa. Yeah. It was number one for seven weeks in Australia. It won the Brit Award for Single of the Year. And this is the songs in that category. For Single of the Year... 1997, mm-hmm. it was. Radiohead's Paranoid Android. The Verve's Bittersweet Symphony. Blur's, mm, okay. Blur's Song 2. And Elton John's Candle of the Wind and Never Ever by All Saints. And the winner... Elton John, he should not have been nominated. That's really... No, nah, that's just for... That's cheating. Diana. Yeah. He was going to win uh, highest, highest selling single. The winner though, All Saints mm-hmm. with Never Ever. Well done. Come up on stage. Yeah, yeah, I'll agree. I agree. Come up on the stage, and Elton John, fuck off, mate! You can't do that shit. You can't do that. Um, so I've said a lot. Of, so your thoughts on this song? I know you, "Amazing Grace" is a great song. So you're always going to go well if you just copy "Amazing Grace." Yeah, I agree. You're, it's an undeniable great song. I like this song a lot. I don't think I'd heard it for a really long time. Yeah. Um, and I don't think I'd ever heard this full seven-minute version. It just was not part of my life. Like I said, I was I was devoted to one girl band only in my life. So All Saints, I didn't even know what All Saints was. I'd heard their name. I just thought it was a TV show. Yeah, you're I thinking really Georgie know. Parker. I thought there was some... 
<laughs> I thought it was going to be like the theme song to that. I had no <laughs> idea that this was that song. I um had no, I'd never heard the spoken word part. I think I'd only ever heard the chorus. I'd never heard the full song. I, I, yeah, I remember as a kid the spoken word part going, that's a really interesting way to open a, a song. I'm not sure if I... Mm. I mean, it's great, but I'm not a big yeah. fan of the spoken word intro. Like, uh, there's like, Leader of the Pack is great. Uh, mm-hmm. Spoken word in Elvis's uh, Love Me Tender, that's, that's great. Yeah. There is a song coming up which has a spoken word intro, not so great. We'll get to that later. Mm. All right. Mo- I think this one is quite beautiful, though. It's a beautiful song. Yeah, the, the gospel elements are really great. All right. This is a song. First time on, the, on, the album, on any of the albums for this band. I reckon we'll hear about them in, a, in about four more episodes. This is the band Sugar Ray, and this is their song, Fly. Initial thoughts, Alexi? Mm. Well, this is interesting because I think after the last songs we've all heard, this feel, song feels really tiny. Like, it feels so small in, like, its scope compared to the others. Yeah. So, I don't think that does it many favours. And I, I, on this podcast before, I've, you know, I've admitted to my predilection to loving reggae and I really like ska music as well. So, this does satisfy a little something in me. I admit it. I'd never heard this song before. Well, I was like, okay, I can imagine being a chill dude with like baggy jeans walking around like Venice Boardwalk or something like that in California. Yep. Um, and I, I don't know much about Sugar Ray. All I know is they were um, in a very funny Triumph the Insult Comic Dog video clip <laughs> back in the 90s where they were opening for Bon Jovi and Triumph was making fun of them a lot. That's probably my one thing. And then I remember... Uh, previously mentioned on this episode, Andrew Levins bought our dear friend Angus Truscott a cameo by Sh- Sugar Ray for a birthday present one year. That's everything I know about Sugar Ray. Okay, well, let me tell you. You said you like reggae. You would love the other version of this song on the same album. The album's called Flawed. There's two versions of this song on the one album. There's a reggae okay. version with a guy called Supercat, which is track four, and then there's mm-hmm. this version, which was track 13. Now... Wow, oh, there's enough reggae in this for me yeah. to not go, we got to get a reggae version. Now, I would say, just by listening to this song, that these guys are just a bunch of dumb, slacker dudes, kind of guys who play original songs at parties. No, no, no. Because mm-hmm. I looked into the Genius page for this song to see what the lyrics yes. are there. And the first opening line is an homage to the poem Ozymandias by Percy Bysshe Shelley. Which goes, I met a traveller from an antique land who said, Two vast and trunkless legs of stone stand in the desert. Near them on the sand, half sunk, a shattered visage lies, whose frown and wrinkled lip and sneer of cold command tell that its sculptor well those passions read. 
which yet survive, stamped on these lifeless things, the hand that mocked them and the heart that fed. And on the pedestal these words appear, My name is Ozymandias, King of Kings. Look on my works, ye mighty in despair. Nothing beside remains, round the decay of that colossal wreck, boundless and bare, the lone and level stands stretch far away. And then the second line... Wow, well, Josh... Can I yeah. say, the second line is just a rip-off of the opening line of the Beatles song, I Will, word for word. They've just ripped off the a- absolute opening lines. So, yeah. What are you going to say? I think you might be right, because if you only know one poem, it probably is Ozymandias, because yeah. that's just like one that people do in school. So yeah. I think that you are not that wrong. Everyone, everyone does it now, or reads it because of the Breaking Bad episode named after it. Um, okay, so... The band singer, Mark McGrath, who people might know from uh, the E! Network, I think he's on, or one of those uh, like mm-hmm. access television shows. Uh, he hated the song when he first heard it. The band had written it without him in the room. He was into metal and like heavy funk. And he listened to this mm-hmm. and went, nah, I'm going to quit the band. Until his very good friend, the director, McGee, Director of Charlie's oh, Angels. Of course they're friends. Wow. <laughs> Told him. If you had just said to me, what director do you think he's best friends with? No doubt in my mind I would have got it in less than three seconds. Well, this... I, my brain would not even have to do computer processing to figure it out. This was before McGee had, like, you know, done anything really. Like, he wow. he said to him, what are you going to do, Mark? Work in Del Taco? And so Mark McGrath went back to the band cap in hand and said please please take me back please let me sing fly take me back McGee also directed wow. the video um and so the change because this song got some success it uh like i think got number one on the on the billboard like rock charts and so mm. their next album after this which came out two two years later had songs that were just this like that every morning which you'd probably know um, I know, yeah, that song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, wow. so they they just try to recreate this. Is this rock? Well, is this rock? Would you classify this as rock? No, but like it's, this is all roll. Yeah. This is just roll. There's no rock to it. <laughs> I think they gotta do a separate roll chart for stuff like this. And yeah, that's about doobies. <laughs> this is probably a stoner band. Uh, excellent. Hey, we're gonna take a break. We're gonna come back after these messages. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. And we are back oh, with a song that I loved at the time. Now I listen back to it, I'm Oof. going, oh, it's, it's not as good as I remember. This is Marcy Playground and their song, Sex, ooh, I'm interested, and Candy. Oh, two of my favourite things. <laughs> Hanging around downtown by myself and I had so much time to sit and think about myself and then she was like double cherry pie yet there she was like disco super fly I smell sex and candy here who's 
sat lounging in my chair. Who's that casting via stairs in my direction? Mama, this surely is a dream. Yeah. Yeah, Mama, this surely. We'll stop it there. Yeah. Can I just make a observation? Yes. This song is a hit, if it is a hit. I don't know if it is. It, purely by the pronunciation of one word. The way he says, can there, is so addictive. You're like, okay, i got to buy this album. i got to hear this song again. Well, you know who was a big fan of this song? And I remember this. I didn't have to look this up. I remember... I used to, as a young boy, Alexi, I used to love Juice Magazine which is an Australian music magazine. Loved it. Loved it. And they were doing a big feature on the actress Courtney Cox because uh, Friends was blowing up. And in mm-hmm. in the article, they were like, we got in her car and as she turned it on, this song was playing. And she goes, oh, do you know this band? I love them at the minute. I can't stop listening to this song called Sex and Candy. And that has stayed in my brain for 25 wow. years. <laughs> I don't know why. Wow. I could use that brain space for other stuff like learn a language, learn my kids' <laughs> teachers' names for the specialist classes at school. <laughs> nope. I know that Courtney Cox liked Marcy Playground. Sex and candy. Yeah. Oh, this is my other, my other uh, story that I know of, speaking of uh, famous actors. Uh, so Tony Collette, was, she was doing an interview apparently no, this mm-hmm. was, I found this. She was apparently driving down the street one day, listening to Coldplay's then very, very new album, X and Y, pulled up at the lights, took it out, and said to the people next to her, hey, I've just got the new Coldplay album. Do you want it? It's shit. And just threw it into their car. <laughs> <laughs> That's Tony Collette. Oh, that rocks. Yeah. Tony Collette, what a legend. <laughs> Uh, so this song uh, was number one on the Billboard Rock Charts for 15 weeks at the time, a record for the Billboard Rock Charts. Uh, they are mm-hmm. from the... I would once again say this is more of a role than <laughs> yeah. a rock, this song. <laughs> They're from Minneapolis. The, the <laughs> band's named after the primary school that lead singer John Wozniak attended. They had uh, Marcy Primary School or whatever it was called, elementary school, but they had the Marcy Playground. Uh he wrote the song, he was inspired because when he was at college, he and his then girlfriend were having sex in the room and her flatmate walked into Oh, the, fuck yeah. Yeah. Dude. Her flatmate <laughs> walked into the room after us and says, oh, this room smells like sex and candy. And hey, wow. that worked for when Kurt Cobain was told by Kathleen Hanna from Bikini Kill, you smell like teen spirit, which he thought was like a metaphor yeah. and she meant just the deodorant. Uh, so, <laughs> so John Wozniak said that this song took less than an hour to write. He wrote it at 4am in his college bedroom. Uh, here's the one thing that I, I do not hear, but all the reviews and articles of this song of the time say it sounds like Nirvana. I don't, I don't hear it. Mm. But no. cr- cr- Cracked.com has an article where people often, it's like, almost like a Berenstain Bears thing, people mistake this as a Nirvana song, even though Kurt Cobain had died three years before it was even released. Can I tell you what band it actually sounds like from that time? It sounds like uh, a humorless presidents of the United States. Yes. Yeah. Yep. It would fit in. Like it just sounds like band. that 
no humor. Just yep. put it in, and it will, you maybe you'll go. Oh, the way he says candy is funny when you if you think it's on their album. If I said this was the follow up to Mm-mm-mm by the Crash Test Dummies, you'd go, okay, yeah, I believe that. It's it's fits yeah. in with those kind of bands. Well, anyone that has that like Mandela effect stuff, I always just go, Can't, just admit you're wrong. Yeah. Why do you say this? <laughs> it really annoys me. People go, oh, it's actually been this thing. It's like, no, just admit it. You had a preconceived notion that's been challenged and you were wrong. There's, we're not in parallel universes. Uh, all right. Uh, anything else to say about this one? Oh, this uh, is- it's cute. I, was- I think it's cute. <laughs> they, they are a one hit wonder. This is their only, their only song. Uh, but they did. This song was so big that the band had to get a separate mm. accountant just for this song. So, Fuck yeah, dude. So they had that the, rocks. their Marcy Playground account and then they had another one just for this song because obviously the songwriter was getting most of the money. And uh, yeah, it's just so they wow. could deal with the royalties. Wow, yeah. that's so sick. But surely like if the Eclipse is so much... you. Wouldn't you just have one account that mainly looks after this yeah. song and then they just go, oh, let me look after the album on my weekends or like on a night off or something? Yeah. Uh, all right, moving on. Oh, man. I love this song when it came out. I still love it now. This is the Danny Warhols and their song, Not If You Were The Last Junkie On Earth. Thoughts, Alexi? Yeah, this is sick. D- did you know this song? I really like this. Yeah. I didn't really know this song. The only thing I know Danny Warhol's really is uh, the documentary Dig. Yeah. Have you ever seen Dig? Oh, absolutely, yes. Dig is such a sick like music doco. It's the rivalry between Danny Warhol's and Brian Jonestown Massacre. Yep. I hadn't seen it in a really long time. I, that was one they used to play... At the video store, when I used to work at a video store when I was a teenager, we used to put a lot of music documentaries on and like concert films. Yep. And Dig was one of those ones that I wasn't really familiar with the bands, but I remember we put on one afternoon where there was no customers and I was just like, fuck, this is such a great movie that it became like a go-to that I would be chucking on like on quieter shifts because it's not as like fun as a concert movie to have on yeah but i think it's like such a great movie it is a really well done music documentary and it's interesting because i I watched it when it first came out uh being a fan of both bands and when i was younger i was like yeah the brian jonestown massacre they're doing it right that's it always stay true to the art and as i get older Mm -hmm. i'm like no i think the danny warhols win this in terms of if you're in the game you may as well play the game. No point having a mm. foot in each camp and 
wanting to be signed to a major label. Like when Anton from the uh, Brian Jones Hamasca walks into the offices with his guitar saying, I'm going to make everyone a million dollars, blah, blah, blah. And then not being capable of playing the game. Whereas Courtney Taylor Taylor is like, all right, we're doing this. Like there's that great scene when they're filming uh, the film clip to this song. And it's in like a sound studio and there's like dancers wearing like syringes dancing around and the band is kind of just playing their instruments. <laughs> and the Brian Jonestown massacre all there going, oh, what's this? This sucks. Oh, they're selling out. Oh. And you go, you guys would love to do this. Don't don't deny it. Like you're so jealous. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it's it's a great documentary. I really, really like the documentary. And it's good because yeah. neither band really come across looking that great in it. Hmm. I think so. It's it's really cool. I think it's a huge recommendation. I looked it up. It is on Doc Play. If okay. you want to watch it, if you want to watch it on Doc Play, another lovely little streaming service. It is also in my garage where I've kept my DVDs that I just don't know what to do with. So if you also want to come around one it's day, it's a classic DVD. If you got a DVD <laughs> player, I get it. Uh, so I remember. I remember. I got three DVD players, Josh. So I'll bring one next time I'm Great. down. We can chuck it on. <laughs> I remember where I was when I heard this song for the first time. I my Where were you? My girlfriend at the time had moved to Melbourne and so I was visiting her the first time I came over to Melbourne on my own, first time flying solo from Wynyard Airport to Melbourne Airport. She picked me up and on the Saturday morning I was in her little apartment in South Yarra and I watched Recovery. And yeah, things did smell like <laughs> sex and candy in there. And I watched Recovery and they played this song and I said, I have to go and buy that song right now. And I got up and I walked down to Chapel Street, HMV, and I said, do you have the Dandy Warhols? And they said, yes, it's just come in. Here you go. And I got a copy of Come Down and I took it back to her house and we listened to it. And uh, this song and Every Day Was a Holiday were instant hits and it took me a while to get into the other songs. But I still loved it, yes. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. Courtney Taylor Taylor is a great front man. uh, He looks cool. He says dumb, arrogant things which is what I want in mm-hmm. rock stars. That's what you want. He once said, I sneeze and hits come out. And this was off the back of only having this song chart. It was like, he was just so wow. arrogant. Uh, <laughs> but in 2001, he did play it right. He allowed his song, Bohemian Like You, which was a, a, quite a big hit, uh, to be used in a Vodafone commercial, which was global. And he got paid, seeing he was the uh, principal songwriter for the song, $1.5 million dollars to have his song played in an ad. And with that money, he bought a warehouse in Portland and converted it into a studio and art space. And that's where they recorded their next albums. That's sick. Yeah. Uh, Oh, God, selling out is awesome. Yeah. The song also came in at number 89 on the Hot 100 in 97. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty sick. I'm going to watch Dig again today, I reckon. (laughs) Oh, I haven't seen it for probably 10 years. i got to chuck it on. I will say I had a, a listener of the podcast recommend uh, the Jason Isbell documentary, which is part of the new Music Box uh, HBO series. Some of them are hit and miss. Mm. Uh, the Kenny G one's great though. Uh, but the Jason Isbell one, who's a country singer, is a really good one. And it's just about how he made his uh, follow-up album to his big hit, Southeastern. Um, and... Had it, and then the pandemic kind of hit, and it's just the struggles of mm. having a number one album when you can't go out and tour it. And also, he writes oh, sh- records with his wife, and just the struggle of trying to be creative and also keep a marriage together. It's it's really well done. It's really nice. Wow. 
I absolutely love music docs. I think that like I love documentaries. That's why I studied in school. And like documentary fi- films about music are so good. The one that I really like at the moment, I will recommend as well. Just while we have while we're on the topic, um, it's kind of in cinemas now. Uh, Meet me in the bathroom about oh. like, the indie sleaze movement oh, is really really cool. It's my favorite book about music I've ever read. Uh, and yeah, the doco is great. Yeah, all right, I'll have to read it. Although I did, I did read uh, some of the people who are in the bands just going, oh, you know, this book's just bullshit. It's like just people talking shit. It's not true. <laughs> so I, I am, because that, that era, Alexi, is my era of when mm-hmm. I got really, really deep into music. Like, yeah, I, it was when, because I was, I've said this on the show, like when new metal came in, I was like, oh, I don't think I like new music anymore. I think this is not for mm-hmm. me. And was moving into it, like listening to electronic music, even though I was like, I've, I always like guitars. And then, Mm. The Strokes came out and I was like, all right, I'm back in. I'm back in a big, You're big back way. in. Dressed like him for yeah. 15 years. All right. <laughs> hey, th- this. <laughs> this is our next song, which also has a talking intro. I'll let you be the judge if you think this talking intro is better than the original, the never ever <laughs> one. This is Shania Twain. It is the third of eight singles from Come On Over. This is You're Still The One. When I first saw you Wow I, I love those that. brushy drums Yeah And the first time you touched me I felt love Can I ask, is this sexy, the way she's talking like this? It feels like she's trying to be sexy I think that was the brief Because this is not a sexy song. No, it's not. <laughs> like this is a song that a mum might play at a funeral or something, you know. Ron Howard voice, no, they're not. Okay, so this was uh, written <laughs> with Shania and her then husband, that dirty dog, Mutt Lang. Um, we've talked about mm-hmm. that relationship in the past. Now, this was written as a response to the critics who thought that Shania was only with Mutt to help her career due to him being successful music producer and their 17-year age gap, uh, which is crazy that in the 90s people thought that in that relationship, she was the villain, not the other way around. Not that yeah. he was taking advantage of his power. Oh, 90s, never change. Uh, so this peaked at number two <laughs> in the US. It was there for nine weeks at number two. It was held off the top spot by two songs. Uh, next, uh, their song, Too Close, and Brandy and Monica's song, The Boy Is Mine. Uh, it was mm. Shania's first top ten hit in the US. Uh, it's her most successful crossover single and the most successful uh, country radio single of all time in Canada. Uh, it peaked at number seven there and <laughs> it reached number one here in Australia for four weeks where it was the only place it got number one. It got to number uh, top ten in the Netherlands, New Zealand, U- UK and Ireland. Um, she then divorced Mutt and still plays this song and says, no, I've just changed the meaning of the song. It's now about my mother and my stepfather and their relationship. 
Well, actually, I think that suits the vibe of the song more because it feels like a song about like your step parents. Like yeah. it's not that emotional. It's just like, yeah, I guess I think they're awesome, but I don't really, you know, that you know, I, I, that's what it feels like. Uh, in '99, the song was nominated for four Grammy Awards. It won two: won Best Country Song and Best Female Country Vocal Performance. It lost Record of the Year and Song of the Year to a fellow Canadian, Celine Dion's "My Heart Will Go On." Mm, but one okay, yeah. one award it did win was it won the VH1, VH1 Viewers Choice Award Sexiest Video of 98. Yes. How sexy can this video be? It won the award where it asked its listeners or viewers, which video do you jerk it to? All right. Here we go. <laughs> Uh, I don't. I, I mean, Shania, Shania. Were you voting in that one, Josh, back in that era? <laughs> no, Shania Twain was very attractive because I remember a big thing that she wore like crop tops. That was a big news story. Like this is kind of before Britney. Uh, wow, what a different era! Aired her belly button. Shania Twain was doing it first, which a lot of country wow. artists didn't like, and that's they did, classified her as not a true country artist because she bared her midriff. Yeah. All right. How dare she? We do not show our bellies. (laughs) All right. Moving on to a song that I had never heard before. This is from their debut album, Coming At Ya. This is UK group Cleopatra and their song, Cleopatra's Theme. It's pretty bold to make a song and then go, yeah, it's our theme. (laughs) It's our theme song. I mean, I have heard the phrase Cleopatra coming at you before. I'd say I'd never heard anything about them. But boy, did I get an education I don't know if I've attributed it to them. So they need. sound so young. They, they sound so young, these people. They're, they're three sisters. They were billed as the female Hanson. So the band is uh, Cleo. Uh, she was 15. Her sisters, Yona and Zainam. Okay, they were originally called Cleopatra and the Attractions until someone must have tapped her on the shoulder and said, hey, Elvis Costello already has a band called The Attractions. You can't have that one. Uh they, yeah. <laughs> this song got to number three in the UK, got to number 26 in the US. They were signed to Madonna's label Maverick, and she got them a spot performing mm-hmm. at the Nickelodeon's Kid Choice Awards where they sang this song. Uh, they then performed a live show on the Disney Channel that went for 60 minutes called Cleopatra in Concert, and they performed on the Disney cruise ship. Uh, wow, okay. And it had a look at, it was a behind the scenes look into the lives of the three sisters over a four day Bahamas cruise. Well, this all tracks because when I'm listening to this, I'm like, this sounds like Disney Channel music. This yeah. sounds like the uh, the songs for a fake band that are in like a Disney Channel original movie or something like that, a decom, if you will. Yeah. Um, but I uh, think it is pretty nice. Like, if you're kids, yeah. really little kids, I think this is like 
probably as good as it gets for that kind of like kitty music but it does feel weird that is on this compilation like it just doesn't mix in with everything else because it feels like children's music for kids yeah well we've had sex and candy and then a song about saying heroin's passe and then one song after this it's cleopatra's theme coming at you um hey you would have loved this at the time so they were the support act for the spice girls uk leg of the spice world tour awesome and so they that played makes to, sense. They played to 150,000 fans at Wembley Stadium. They also performed at the Vatican Christmas Carol concert by request of John, Pope oh John boy. Paul II himself. JPJ2? He ro- wanted this? The rock star Pope. He said, I want Cleopatra. They're coming at me. And they were backed by a 100-piece orchestra and they sang O Come All Ye Faithful and Silent Night. Wow, holy shit, that's like such a huge achievement That's crazy, what the fuck The Pope knows who they were He wanted them, he said Not anymore, he's he's dead as fuck now (laughs) But um, wow, Uh, holy shit They had two uh, seasons of a TV show called Coming At You Uh, Season one was called Coming At You, sorry Season two was called In The House And it was... 20-minute episodes, a mix of music and comedy, and the plot followed the girls' lives on tour and at home with their family, their mother, and their younger sister. And they all featured as themselves. And was that on Disney Channel? It was on CITV. Disney Channel? So I, I don't know what CITV, CITV. is. CITV. Yeah. Criminal um, Investigation <laughs> Television. Uh, yeah, so pretty much, you know, it sounds like they paved the way for people like the Jonas Brothers and Miley Cyrus to, and the Disney Channel to go, yeah. this is what we need to do. Um they are still performing. Mm. They're, they're still a band, Cleopatra, although Zainab, wow. she's not in the band anymore, so it's just the other two sisters. Uh, I'm not sure how where they're going, seeing that Cleo was a contestant on the second season of The Voice in the UK. Uh, she made it to the semi cool. semifinals. She chose to be on Will I Am's team, but um, yeah. Mm-hmm. But she had all four judges turn around. She sang a Beyonce song in her blind wow. audition, and they all turned around. That would be powerful. I love those storylines where like, yes, I was almost famous. This is my chance at trying to get to be famous now. I love those storylines on those reality shows. But I don't know. If you've supported the Spice Girls and played exclusively for the Pope, surely you're like, it's like raw comedy. You can't make more than $500 and then you've got to be out. It's like, come on, get out of here. Get out of here. All right. Our last last song for side A of uh, volume 25 this is a little band called Arcana and their or Arcana, sorry, and their song Futures Overrated. We get some mm. some vocals. Lord, so 
Uh, and it goes on and on and on. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Alexa? Another really long song. Yeah. Really long song as well. Almost seven I, I dug so much this song, the intro. All the instrumental I thought was really cool because it kind of sounded like that kind of mix of like what Moby was doing around this time where yep. it's kind of like finding uh, weird samples, bringing them together. I, I really like that. The voice, the vocals just didn't quite match it for me. There was something... They sound like too like a much like Oasis and it just that blending just didn't work for me. But I can imagine it would work for other people, especially in this time. Yeah. To the, that blending of the Oasis sound with like that kind of Moby sampling sound could be really cool. For me, it just didn't work. But I thought the instrumentals were freaking fab. I think you know, I think because I think it's a real like a win for the production on it. And but the songwriting mm. is just like, ah, uh, it's it's a pretty boring song. Like but how it Yeah. Especially recorded like over what twenty seven years ago, it still sounds mm. like fresh, and it's just a bit boring. Uh, so the band were Ollie Jacobs, Matt Hart, James Barnett, and the son of the greatest name musician ever from Ten CC, Low Cream. His son Lalo Cream is in the band. Uh, oh. Ollie Jacobs' dad, though, wa- oh, it sounds like a Greg Larson character, Lalo <laughs> Cream. <laughs> uh, Ollie Jacobs' dad. Was a record producer, and Ollie was or would always help him out in the studio from the age of fourteen. So he would mix uh, and uh, produce songs, and you, you kind of picked it. You said Moby. He mixed songs for Leftfield and also Deep Forest. Um, I love Deep Forest. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever talked about Deep Forest on the podcast before. I love Deep Forest so much. Well, he'd already had a number one hit song before he uh, formed Arcan- Arcana. And he wrote Peter Andre's Mysterious Girl. Wow, I, a song I don't mind. I don't mind that song. Peter Andre, he's coming up. He comes up a lot on this show. It's, it's, it's good. I'm, I've, wow. got, I've got a newfound respect for Mr. Andre. Uh, yeah, but... Yeah, one of the great bods in history, you know, Peter Andre, one of the great bods. Uh, I, can't... I think he's Greek. He I'm is. Looking up. He, he is. is Greek Cypriot. Yep. So you know what? I gotta love him. I gotta respect him. He's one of my elders. Well, Akana apparently had a very good live show. They were like had a really good live following. And when you look up them their album Fresh Meat, this song doesn't even come up in the uh, popular songs from it. So if you like this oh. kind of stuff, I would I would recommend going to listen to Fresh Meat. I I remember seeing the cover. The cover is a white cover with a monkey kind of peering out from the corner. I remember seeing it Ooh, okay. a lot when I would frequent record stores, uh, CD stores. Also because they're mm. A, so as you walk in, it's like, yeah. So that I remembered, but yes, I don't yeah. remember ever listening to the song. All right. The same principle of why I get so many butt dolls. My name does begin with A. It's yep. very easy for phones unlocked to give me a call. All right. That is it for this episode. So what we're going to do now is we're going to go through and see how many hits we have. Let's start off. And I think this one's an easy one. Stop by the Spice Girls. Hit? It's triple platinum hit for me. Just I think it's the one of the best songs. Absolutely. I Get Lonely, Janet Jackson, Jason Nevins remix. Oh, this is so tough. I actually have been debating the whole episode if I'm <laughs> going to give this one a hit or not. I've been thinking about it in the back of my mind. It has to be a hit because it's Jason Nevins. He's so in the pocket weirdly at this time. <laughs> It's bizarre, but that song is undeniable. It's yeah. a hit. I gotta say it. All right, uh, "Bamboogie" by Bamboo. 
it's a hit enough for me. It's oh, a hit enough. Nice. Never ever. I'll by, give it a hit enough. Never ever by All Saints. Hit, hit, easy. I'm glad. All right, Fly by Sugar Ray. It's a hit. I liked it. <laughs> I liked it. Hey, don't like we established. There is, there's no guilty pleasures here. It's it's, it's a hit or not? Uh, mm-hmm. Sex and Candy by Marcy Playground. It's a hit for the way he says candy. candy. Like you can't, you can't, can there? You can't deny that. When someone invents a new way to say a word like that, there's something really special about it. <laughs> uh, not if you're the last junkie on earth by the Dandy Warhols. The Dandy Warhols. Okay. Dandy Warhols. Shania Twain, you're still the one. I'm going to say not a hit. I'm going to say this is not my vibe. And I know that technically this is humongous. This is a hit. The chorus is kind of cool, but I'm like, I'm not, this yep. is just not my bag, babe. Well, like That's you said. I can say. She's not my bag. It's stepmom music. All right. Uh, Cleopatra's Theme by Cleopatra. I think if I was like nine years old, which I mean, I was under nine years old when the song came out. I'm going back into my body then. I would think it's pretty cool, but um, it should not be on this album. It's children. It's children music. I'm going to say it's a kid hit. It's a kid hit. So technically it's not an adult hit. Are we adults? Do what? Are you, I'm, having a, I'm having an existential crisis putting this one on. Alexi, we are now adults. Okay, it's not a hit. I will never listen to that song again yeah. as long as I live. It's not a hit. <laughs> you really Unless I do Benjamin Button and I say get Benjamin Button surgery if I do that. Maybe I'll become a hit for me in my lady Twilight years. And our final one, Futures Overrated by Arcana. Fuck, this one's really tough too because I think it's so close. I'm going to say it's a hit. I'll give them the benefit. It's a hit. That's 8 out of 10. That's 80% hits. 80% hits. Well done, wow. Alexi. We got there. That's pretty high. It's very That's high. That's pretty high for this podcast. I like it. I like it. Hey, thanks so much for doing this, Alexi. You got stuff to talk about? Anything to plug? Um. Well, when does this episode come out? Uh, tomorrow morning. Tomorrow morning. If you are in Sydney on Saturday... I am hosting the 30th anniversary uh, screening of Bad Boy Bubby. Oh. It's a classic Australian experimental weirdo cult film. It's probably the, I would say it's maybe the coolest Australian movie ever. It's so wild and weird. Uh, so I'm hosting that with the director, Rolf Dahir, and the star, Nicholas Hope. Oh, that's amazing. That, that was a real uh, classic in my uni days. Everyone had to go and watch Bad Boy Bubby. It was, it was that, it, and also the Gigi Allen documentary, which I do not recommend. Gigi Allen, oof. like uh, punk performance artist, who would get people to shit in his mouth and he wanted to die on stage. Not a great, not a great yeah. Uh, film, but yeah, that was my universe. But he's days. an interesting bloke, Gigi Allen. It's <laughs> it's so cool that you can be like, yeah, he's interesting. He did the most fucked up shit. And you're like, yeah, what a fascinating guy. Governor yeah, General Bobby, Allen. If you've yes. never seen it, yeah. Bad Boy Bobby is such a wicked movie, but um, you know it's not for the squeamish. I'd say I, it'll be really weird and interesting to see with a crowd. But I'll be hosting the Q and A, so come check it out. Brilliant. Um, otherwise, that's it. Watch Finding Jesus. Yeah. And then Cam and I making some more stuff uh, that will eventually be in front of your eyes at some point. Brilliant. Hey, also on Saturday, if you're not in Sydney, come to the Don't You Know Ham at Morris House here in Melbourne. It's the last one. It's going to be the last one for a long, long time. I don't see myself doing any more uh, live Don't You Know Hams this year. So come along. Not sure of the lineup. 
I did have some lineup locked in, but <laughs> half of them have been nominated for the uh, best show at the comedy festival, and I think I clash with the uh, with the award ceremony, so they might decide not to do my podcast. Haven't heard yet, though. We'll see. We'll see if I get a text Oof. saying, "Hey, I'm not going to do it now." Anyway, tickets are at joshell.com.au. Also, if your kids uh, age between like five and ten, bring them along to the final weekend of Humankind at the Q Courthouse. Thanks everyone who's been coming along with their kids. It's always nice to see adults in the room who go, "Hey, I listen to the podcast." That is great. Big thanks to everyone who came to the uh, Max Watts last night and saw Don't You Know Who I Am with Ed Gamble, Mark Watson, Deanne Smith, and Sarah Schaefer. That was so much fun. Uh, if you want to listen to it, become a Patreon subscriber. Go to patreon.com slash D-Y-K-W-I-A. It's all there, all unedited. You guys are the best. Alexi, you're the best. I'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.